I got so much love to give. Right. I'm going to give it all to you. Okay, go go pee. Uh, <laughs> Billy <Teddy>. P. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, Jesus, what the hell is it today? It's the, the 21st, yep. the 21st of November, November the 21st, 2016. This is, this is on Taking Pictures. No? <laughs> sounds right. too much I'm... like, that's like a Ryan Seacrest American. This is on Taking Pictures. You know how <laughs> they have to emphasize it like that? Like you don't really know what it means yeah yeah yeah. well whatever it is it's very important because you accentuated this this (laughs) is on taking pictures yeah not on or would it be on taking pictures no doesn't no that's not right on taking pictures i think the on is the accent you think this is on taking pictures yeah yeah i don't know i think any one of those Uh, would work any one of those. Anyway, so hopefully by now you know what it is because... You've just said it 27 times. just said it. That's right. Uh, it's uh, it's your your weekly shot of photography adrenaline, your, your weekly creative smoothie. Have you ever been shot up with adrenaline? No. Okay, what, am, just, what am I, a heroin addict? Just no. asking. <laughs> that's what, a, you, watch, you watch Pulp Fiction over the weekend? <laughs> Whenever Jesus. people talk about that, it's just like, holy crap, that's hey, got to be intense. You ever been shot up with an adrenaline? Yeah, uh, it was sure, a lot of times. Uh, so that's Bill, the adrenaline junkie, apparently, uh, in, in Brooklyn. And I'm so not an adrenaline junkie. When those people jump off bridges and crap, I'm yeah. like, screw no. that. Anyway, no. go ahead. Uh, my name's Jeffrey Sidoris. I'm in Silver Spring, Maryland. And... Uh, and I, I, you know, I got to get something off my chest. Oh boy. Here we go. No, come on. No, no. <laughs> uh, last week we, we talked a little bit, um, about some of the potential fallout of the U S presidential election. Okay. And we got some feedback. I probably got some, I think I got some more feedback individually than we got as the show. Um, most of it good, but a couple people had a problem with me being political on the show. Um, and I want to talk about that for a second because I think I went to great lengths to not be political on the show. Um, so now is it a question of the definition of political? Well, I, I don't know, but I, I've, I've said several times and I, and I maintain I don't care who you voted for. And I'm trying not to make this about Trump versus Clinton, though I easily could. But I don't want to do that. What I want to focus on is some of the fallout as it pertains to free speech, as it pertains to making art, as it pertains to yours and my ability to react, to question to have a voice that may run contrary to the voice of the establishment or who's in power. Without fear of reprisal. Without fear of reprisal. Case in point, uh, over Friday, I think it was Friday, um, the vice president, as you may have heard, the vice president-elect went to see Hamilton. And... 
was addressed by the cast. Okay. Uh, that, that, that addressing of the vice president was deemed harassment by the president-elect. A small, hand, a small handful of people, which happens to include the president-elect. Yes. Yes. Well, the president-elect has, has, has once again taken to Twitter, which apparently he's got a lot of free time to spend on Twitter, but once again took to Twitter to demand an apology. So here's <laughs> what happened. Here's what happened. A gay black man stood up in front of an incoming elected official who believes that homosexuals should be tortured straight. So that's number one. But number two, what he did not do is harass the vice president-elect. What he said was, and I quote, Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you, and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton and American Musical. We really do. We, sir, we, sir, are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us, our planet, our children, our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and work on behalf of all of us. All of us. Dixon, who urged the audience not to boo Pence, said that the show was performed by a diverse group of men and women of different colors, creeds, and orientations. Now, if you are listening to this, haven't tuned out yet, <laughs> and you think that that is harassment, then... We got other stuff to discuss. <laughs> you and I have very little to talk about moving forward. Yeah. Um, this is not a political issue, gang. This is, this is an issue where the First Amendment will be challenged. It's already happening. And I feel... I feel a responsibility as a human and as an artist to talk about these things with you, to bring them up, to discuss them on occasion, because this is one of the core tenets of this democracy. This is one of the core tenets of, of what this country was built on, is the ability to stand up and speak your mind without fear of being black bagged and stuffed into a van and taken away somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think that it doesn't apply to you, I bet that you have a friend or you know someone who it could apply to. And if you think that you don't, if you think that this is ridiculous and this is worth talk, this is not worth talking about, I say to you, your privilege is showing. Because it is worth talking about. Um, and that's really all I have to say about it. I'm 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 sorry for taking up time that you feel we should spend talking about photography, but as so many of you have pointed out, both seriously and in jest, we don't spend a lot of time talking about photography sometimes. It's true. But this, this is not politics. This is, this is 
This is core to who we are. Yeah, that's citizenry. This is this is your ability to take and share either um, a provocative photograph or to write and share a dissenting opinion or to speak your mind on a street corner without fear of being punished or called out or ridiculed. Now, I find it fascinating that that this is not an issue, a bigger issue. And I think it's a smokescreen for some other things, but that would be making it political and I'm not going to do that. Well, I I think I don't think that it I don't think that people aren't discussing this stuff. I think there are a lot of people discussing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's a, a huge issue and I think it's being discussed. I personally, I am afraid of all the same things you're afraid of. However, I also have faith in the system and the bureaucracy and the, the people who don't agree with those things, who are still in positions of power around the government, who understand that, a lot of the things that some people are discussing are are definitively un-American mm-hmm. and and against a number of a number of amendments in the Bill of Rights. So I have a certain amount of faith that a lot of it is just a lot of hullabaloo that they may just use to scare people. They may use to try to do stuff, but. In the end, they're just going to fall flat on their face and look like jerks. Uh, so, like, I have a certain level of, all right, I, I want to see how this unfolds because some of this stuff is just insane, you know. It is uh, insane. And, but, and you know, let's not forget that hundreds, since the election, hundreds of hate-filled acts of <laughs> rhetoric and actions have been carried out in the name of the new administration that have gone absolutely unaddressed. But a group of people who feel marginalized asking for some basic dignity is deemed harassment. Sure. Well, it gets more press. So anyway, that's, I, I wanted to get that off my chest. If you still feel like this is too much uh, politicking for your tastes, then frankly, go listen to Twit. Yeah, I, 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 I can't, I can't understand uh, how this could not be of interest to someone who either makes a hobby or a living out of self-expression. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so. it. I find it interesting though that the the. The, the the different ways that people choose to self-express, there's even a lot of um, judgment between different artists' level of self-expression. You know, you're sure you're being too political. You're not being political enough. You're not. You know, it's. I, I think that stuff also has to. We have to be careful not to become militantly uh, 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 judgmental about other people around us and what, how they choose to respond to. Sure. Because you're not in their shoes. Exactly. You know, I've, I've got, I've got friends that are here on green cards that are 
they're worried, man. Sure. That's all there is to it. They, they are worried. They are worried that, that they will be either asked or forced to leave. Yeah. I've got friends that are, that are very political in, in the way that they express themselves, either artistically or, or in, in print, that are concerned. Yep. You know? So I think it is, it is I, worth occasionally addressing. So uh, we've, we've talked about uh, Casey Neistat. We have a few times and we love Casey. We love Casey. Um, I stopped watching Casey's daily vlogs a while back because they just became boring. They became, uh, uh, you know, a lifestyle piece of, of, you know, just following him around during the day. And it's like, okay, well, but what are you actually doing? You're not really doing anything other than, you know, riding a boosted board and playing with your drone. Yeah. It's good um, life, though. Come on. If you could ride a boosted board and play with your drone, wouldn't you do it? No. Uh, and, and apparently now neither would Casey. And I found this interesting because he, he, he put up his last daily vlog yesterday. Okay. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Or it might have been, might have been Friday, Saturday. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the last daily vlog. And he talked about, and this is what I found interesting and, and appropriate to the show. He talked about his creative life as a jungle and he's swinging from vine to vine and each vine is a new creative challenge or a new creative problem that needs to be solved and he said that that he got to a point with the vlog where it became easy he he had a system of of shooting and producing and editing and and there was no challenge to it and he didn't feel like he was saying much other than taking viewers along for the ride around his day. Is that what a lot of people want though? I don't know. And to Casey's credit, he's reached a point where he doesn't care if that's what people want because he doesn't feel creatively challenged or satisfied by the end result. Fair enough. And I thought that was kind of an an interesting realization because it would be the easiest thing in the world for him to keep doing what he's doing. I mean, the guy's got 5 million YouTube subscribers, if you, if you do the math and multiply that out by the number of views and the, you know, monetization of, of cost per view, he's making a good living. Sure. And it would be really easy for him to just continue on that trajectory. But to his credit, again, he didn't feel stimulated. He didn't feel challenged. So he said, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not giving up YouTube but I want to make videos that have more substance, that take longer to produce, that are that are more creatively challenging and ultimately creatively satisfying. I applaud and, him for that. Absolutely. So I, I wondered, you know, do we have a hard time? I know I do. Letting go of something and starting something new. And, and he, he brought up a point. He's like, you know, I even thought about maybe I could go down to, to, uh, uh, two a week or three a week. But he said, even, even that would still keep me in this same kind of mode. The only way that I can grab that next vine, the way he put it, the only way I can grab that next vine, that next creative challenge is to completely let go of the one that I'm holding on to. In his case, though, and I guess in some pe- other people's cases too, in his case, I, one could argue that part of the fear is that 
his daily his audience and his daily vlogs are what keep him in the zeitgeist and giving that up could mean not only losing a lot of that audience because just from you know there's a whole lot of other things in the world that sure could watch. sure Attrition. but also yeah <laughs> no, yeah sure yeah, yeah. Uh, but but also the income that comes from it yeah you know he that is that is sort of that's like you know beyonce saying i'm gonna start you know singing uh uh only show tunes from the 1930s from now on, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like I, you are giving up what what people expect from you and, and what people give you money to do in order to do something else, which is arguably creatively uh, uh, risky, mm-hmm. uh, but also arguably economically risky. But I applaud him for it. Again, Absolutely. I, I, I stopped I, watching regular because I was watching him quite a bit, but I yeah. stopped probably six months ago, seven, you know, six, seven months ago, just because it it got boring to watch. So I can only imagine how boring it did. It became to make uh, to 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 be the uh, Nancy naysayer here. Could yeah. it be that maybe his numbers are down and that's why he's choosing his numbers make- have constantly grown. The guy's gone really? from a million to two million to five million in, you know, less than a yeah. couple of years. I just, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, think I, about it. He started this blog 18 months ago, this vlog, sorry, V. Right. 18 months ago. And now he's at 5 million subscribers. I mean, right. it's been phenomenal growth. Right. Which, which again, respect Casey for, uh, for potentially tossing a big chunk of that away to follow something new. Yep. To yeah. to try and see what else is out there. And, he probably has a, a plan. Uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know he's got things that he says he wants to do, but, you know, I mean, he started Beam. Who knows how that's going? Uh, right. That was an app just, of some kind? It's an app. Yeah, it's a social media. It's like a video app where you, you can't see what it is. You, you hold the, the, the phone against your chest. So it's got a proximity sensor that turns it on. So you can't see what you're sharing uh, and, it, and it gets shared. Right. Sort of POV style. Okay, got it. Um, the interface is kind of wonky. And my problem with apps like that... Um, is that it doesn't take long for the content to just become, you know, wandering around with your buddies or, or, you know, giving this sort of slice of life microcosm of your day, which, eh, okay. Is, is just the fact that you're going and wandering around the city or hanging out with your friends or what is, is, is that enough to satiate an audience long term? And I think, at least partially because he's been in this game for so long, I think Casey is a good barometer of that. And I'm curious what the fallout will be, maybe fallout's the wrong word, but what the result of this will be with some of the other sort of big YouTubers in that space whose content is really kind of a one-trick pony. Well, I think there's also a question here about uh, with Vine being dissolved, right? Is that true? Yep. Yeah. yeah Vine's okay. gone. Um, a lot of these uh, users who have clung to these different formats, whether it's Vine or Snapchat or YouTube or whatever it is, the idea that you have to constantly be uh, using Casey's term, grabbing for the next Vine, as it were, you right. know, 
uh, well, I know this one is sort of at its peak, but maybe it's peaked and now it's kind of going down a little bit. What's the next one I got to jump on at the bottom in order to swing back up, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, is a really strange mode of working as a creative person to keep trying to find the new thing to jump to. You know, it's sort yeah, of like, I mean, it, it's, it, it's like, I, like little, little pads of ice in the Arctic. It's like, oh, I got to get over there and that one's moving this right, way. And then right. I got to jump to the next one. But you could, you could argue that, that YouTube in particular has given rise, has allowed a genre of content, whether that's entertainment or not to exist that couldn't exist before. Oh yeah, sure. And How much of it has value is also a question, but that's right. A large well, and, and YouTube recently changed how they monetize content, what yep. they're willing to pay for. If it's, yep. if it's uh, laden with profanity or questionable content, they're sure. not going to pay for it, which had some YouTubers up in arms because they got to a point where they felt owed a living. They felt like YouTube owed them money f- just because they produced content. Well, YouTube's a business. And those advertisers are there to make money. They're not there to support your content. Uh, yeah, but they also need the content in order to have the advertising. So it's sort of a, it's a, it's a two way street, but sure. But there's a, an element of that that is always a little tricky because you could argue from the creative's point of view, it's like, look, we had a deal. This, this was how it worked. We make this stuff and then we get this kind of rate. And then you were just continually changing the contract midstream, essentially. Yeah, but then, um, but that's maybe but, there's not as much money in dick jokes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you it know, could maybe be. that's yeah. what it came down to. Or what? If, what if? What if instead of that, it's that uh, YouTube wants to make sure that the content on the network doesn't end up devolving into a bunch of dick jokes in your in your parlance, right? <laughs> that 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 they're Come essentially. On. <laughs> that they're essentially trying to curate themselves. Sure, they almost, are. Almost like a bonsai tree, right? Sure. We're going to incentivize this kind of content and disincentivize this other kind of content. And it's which, their model, so why not? Well, no, that that's great. But I, but is there an argument that YouTube as a platform is bigger than Google? Right? That That... It is the place that people go to share video content, and that's just a reality. So how mm-hmm. much of, of a responsibility does Google have to make sure that YouTube remains a platform that, that, that is a level playing field for the content that is shared on there? Well, you can share whatever you want. They just don't have to pay you for it. Fair Your ability to yeah. share and, but, and express yourself is not being infringed upon in the least. Yeah, but but if if what you're trying to do is make some sort of living doing it, if they incentivize a certain kind of content, people are going to make less of the other kind of content. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I mean that's exactly what they're doing. You know, um, I mean, let, if if you had let's let's do an experiment. If you had to let go, what would be the hardest? What would be the hardest body of work or or? What would be the hardest thing creatively for you to let go of completely to start something like stop doing it wholly different and unique? Yeah. What would be the what would be your the, well, the last vine you're willing to give up? Well, it's it's funny because I was thinking about that in the way that I take my pictures. I very I, I don't rely on net, on Internet, a specific Internet network in any way, right? I sort I make what I make and then I share it a lot of places, but I'm not making what I make in in a specific way to share in a specific place, you know? So 
me moving to a new network or whatever it is, 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 is I'm less affected by that than a lot of other people who are, are making content straight directly for a specific platform. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I, I, I didn't say it correctly. Yep. In the, in the case of, in the case of Casey, yeah. uh, the product was, was the daily vlog. So what is, what is, what is the last sort of product that you, that you make, oh, not where you share it, but what's the last sort of creative product that you, that, that, that you would be willing to let go of completely to forge ahead into a new area? I guess the ultimate answer is that you have to be able to give up anything, you know, you got to be able to kill your babies, right? Um, if you feel as if they are not giving you what you need. Is that, you know what I mean? Sure. So, so I guess, but I guess then you get into how do you define what value you get out of what you make? If you're sure. asking me from yeah, an what, economic your, point of view, what's your creative sure. crutch as a right, part? right, right, yeah. right. You know, like, I mean, I get, I get gigs for a lot of my conceptual stuff occasionally, but not as much as I get for my straight portraiture, but I enjoy doing my conceptual stuff more. Would I be better off doing more straight portraiture and, and you know, economically? Yes. Creatively, absolutely not, you know? So then you get into this question of, well, what am I in this for? Am I in this for money or am I in this for the love of it or some combination of the two? And, you know, where, where is, where's the tug of war? You know, where's the, where's the flag in the middle of the tug of war pit? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, that stuff kind of, you know, makes me crazy. Um, Hey, can I split for one second? You were just saying the disincentivizing stuff on YouTube thing. Yep, yep, yep. What if they disincentivized political speech? Would that make you? Would that make you angry? Or, uh, or make me, you give feel me an like, example? How do you mean? I don't know. Uh, 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 not to get back in the other thing, but you know, stuff critical of the president or whatever. And they say, "Well, we're not going to pay as much for that stuff because who's we paying think that for it?" Well, we're not going to allow you to put ads on that. We're going to like lower the rates for political speech because we think that it's detrimental to the network. You well, know, that kind of thing. Again, if it's their network, I mean, it's not Jeff. They can do whatever they it's, want. It's it's YouTube. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's sort of like you, <laughs> you know, should create Jeffrey tube, Jeff tube, <laughs> Jeff tube.com. Uh, <laughs> well, isn't that basically like, who's, what is the other guy? Justin TV. Right. Right, that I mean, was it's, originally it's, just him. It's sort of like the the every once in a while you'll see these 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 meme type things that float around Facebook with you know the 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 I I hereby affirm that I don't allow Facebook to yeah, take yeah, my yeah, pictures. Yeah. Blah, sure, blah 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 sure, blah blah. Sure. Well, guess what? You signed a terms of use. You signed up under their terms of use, and they get to make the rules. Absolutely. I I guess my ultimate deep feeling about this is that a lot of these corporations are getting to the point where they have more power over society than at the very least any business has ever had in history, almost as much as any government has ever had in history. And I think that in some ways there needs to be a change about the level of responsibility they have to society beyond just the the, the fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. Okay, but who gets to make that choice? I I don't know, Government? but I no, I I don't I don't know exactly what the answer to that is, but I think that keeping it all just based on profit motive when these when these companies have this much power over how society sways is is unnerving to me. So then 
okay, un- under under this. To, it's just a little to take bit of a, a do no evil Google thing, right? Where it's but, just like, okay, you know. But go ahead. should YouTube allow porn and then allow users to monetize it? I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But but it but it worries me that there are decisions being made for monetary reasons that can sway public opinion in deep ways. You know. Well. Uh, <laughs> Okay, this isn't new. No, it's not new, but the amount of power they have is new. You know, the 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 conversations that people were having this uh the past few weeks about, you know, the whole fake news on Facebook junk, you know. Right. Uh you know, it's like, okay, this is this is a private social media platform that is able to arguably sway public opinion in different directions, especially if they wanted to put their finger on the on the on the scale you know mm-hmm. um but, that's, but how is that's that terrifying. how is that any different than the onion or the daily show for that matter or i think just the level John of, oliver i think the level of power they have i mean you, it's mm-hmm. actually closer to uh you know early 20th century newspapers you know mm-hmm. yellow journalism mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff i mean it's it's like yellow journalism <laughs> it's like uh uh hyper yellow journalism it's yellow yellow journalism with with the saturation turned up you know um I don't know. This is not necessarily photography related, but it's, I just, those things, well, but it uh, those is, are things again, that it, do worry it, me. It gets it's us back to creativity and its place yeah, in society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I mean, you could, you could, I mean, now, yellow journalism. Can we, can we agree on a, on a definition for those who may be unfamiliar with the term? Um, yeah. How would you say it? Uh, it's not really fake, but it's, uh, it's be- not as researched as it could be. Yeah, it's based. On the, I'm looking up I mean, what, what they officially say. What are they, they what's say the official? based Probably upon sensational journalism, based on sensationalism and, and crude exaggeration. Okay. Which I think the the idea was at the, at the turn of the last century, uh, uh, turn of the you know the 19th to the 20th century. So could we say something would, like uh, the Globe or the Weekly World News or yeah, the Enquirer? Like, yeah, uh, Pulitzer versus Hearst. You know, it was yeah, the original yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. But in the age of, you know, fewer people reading the Times and the Washington Post. Right. Almost everything out there is in some way really skewed in one direction or the sure, other. Sure, 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 sure. Whether it's Facebook or BuzzFeed or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or any the one Washington the, Post. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever right wing or left wing thing that is spewing stuff that's like barely fact based, you know. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's that's trouble but you know the fact that this is the fact that all of those all of those news sources are controlled by these corporations that then have a billion people reading them or 2 billion people or whatever the hell facebook is up to now mm-hmm. i mean they they have a they have a larger i think they have a larger responsibility than just to make sure their shareholders make more money next month i just i they fundamentally they would disagree with you Absolutely, but I fundamentally yeah. believe that something needs to change because we've never had that kind of power concentrated in Which such a way. You could argue then, going full circle, yep. that that at least in at least in my adult life, maybe even my entire life, the point of view of the artist has seldom been more important. Yes, has seldom been more important, but has also seldom been more um, <laughs> ignored. Uh, in the sense that 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 yeah, you can. You, it, it is po- 
we as artists have as much power as we've ever had, but we are also competing against as much noise as we ever have, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is an exaggerated version of the similar problem we have about getting your work seen in a world of 45 million photographers. How who cares about what you're doing? You know, right. How, you know, how do you get that out there in a way that makes sense? Well, you know, it's connections and nepotism and, and, and exaggeration and, you know, essentially the artistic version of yellow journalism, which is certainly an element of all this stuff, you know, uh, you know, oh, we created this project where we. I don't know, take pictures of people wearing Trump masks and, and it gets picked up by a billion other things because, Oh, look, they're talking about Trump and art and we're going to put a thing out there. You know, it's like, does that actually make a difference? I don't know. But I I mean, are you, are you willing, here's a question for listeners and you and me, are you willing to trade artistic integrity for profit and visibility? Me no, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Here if I am. You've doing seen a podcast the squalor that Bill lives in. You you would know that to be absolutely true. Oh come on! <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, no, it's a, it's a lovely refrigerator box. Yeah, <laughs> just behind behind one of the nicer Seven Elevens in Brooklyn. It so actually it's, rained it's, really hard yesterday. It's kind of falling <laughs> apart. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, no. But 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 in some ways, that's why I got into this business. You know. I never expected to become a multi multi millionaire as a photographer. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this so that I can look at myself in the morning and say, "Yeah, okay, you're not wasting your life." But you know, it's it's funny. There are mm, there are artists, photographers. Uh, a couple off the top of my head, Bratinsky is one. Sure. I mean, you could argue that Bratinsky's work is very political. That's very, uh, it, it, it comes from a very specific point of view, but it exists on other levels. It exists on an aesthetic level, as well as an emotional level, as well as a political level. So sure. It, it, well, okay. Here's, here's a question for you. Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it the artist's responsibility to be political, even if they don't want to be political. See, this is this is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets tricky because what if I don't want to make political art, you know, or you know, what I just if, want to or, make whatever or, it is I was making before, you know, right? Or you know, why <laughs> why is Billy Joe Armstrong's opinion more valid than George Clooney's when they're? Do you know what I mean? It gets into yeah. this weird sort or, of or look, or I Jeffrey Sedoris's or Jeffrey Sedoris's. Yeah, I mean, who am I? Um, who's so George Clooney again? Right, <laughs> he's that dreamy guy that was on. Oh, he's the one you married are. to the really successful attorney, right? <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Go ahead. George has just dropped his head and is just shaking his head somewhere, <laughs> listening to this. Um, yeah, I mean it, that that is that is interesting, and and maybe it's a matter of point of view. It's it's. Hmm. Is it is it the is it the actor who just suddenly decides to pick up the guitar and wants to be taken as seriously as the person who's played guitar for twenty years? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but there but there have been plenty of famous people who have at some point become activists in a good way. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would would you have any problem if it was Tom Hanks who won the presidency for being popular and famous? You know. 
again, it, it really comes down to his, the ideology that surrounds him. Right. 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 You know, I mean, it, you know, I mean, you know, Kanye got know. booed off stage the other day for talking about politics for 30 minutes. Yeah. And it was covered by every major newspaper in the country. Exactly. Just ignore the man. Right. That's the only, that's the only way he'll go away. <laughs> anyway. So I, I, I don't know the answer to the question. I, I do find it fascinating. This idea of Casey's of, of giving up something that has been financially good to you has, yeah. has provided an enormous platform for whatever it is that you do next. And maybe that was the goal in some way. Well, the, the, therein, therein lies the question. I remember when, uh, Josh Chapolsky and some of those other guys first left in gadget mm-hmm. and they knew they were going to start the verge but then in the meantime, they made thisisyournext.com. Do you remember right, any of that? Right, right, right. And it, even though they launched thisisyournext.com, that's not really the thing they're doing. But the real thing they're doing is The Verge. And even then, they were building that up so they could sell it to somebody else so they can go do something else, right? Right, That They, right. they were three steps ahead. And this was just a stepping stone. It's like uh, there was an interview with um, uh, uh, David Crosby on Mark Maron a, f- a month and a half ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he said uh, about um, uh, Neil Young, he's like, oh, Neil Young, uh, uh, CSNY was always just a stepping stone for Neil Young. Like Neil, Neil never imagined, it wasn't like, oh, wow, that would be really great to play with those guys. I'm going to go play with those guys. And that's the next thing I'm going to do. It was Oh, I have I know what I'm doing next, but yeah, I'll go play with you guys because that's a good political move and gonna get my stuff out there even more than if I just moved on to the next thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, you know. And David Crosby kind of always said, you know, Neil Young was always thinking about Neil Young, even when right. he was inside it's, of it's, CSNY. Do the popcorn movies so that you can go do Chekhov on stage. Exactly, but yeah. but even more than that, I think it was it's more of a uh, and and I don't mean this as a. It's, it's got a bad tinge to it, but a little bit of a selfish motivation, right? Like it could be that Casey Neistat knows exactly where he's going, but he's using his last vlog as a way to essentially gin up press for people interested in what he's going to do next. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That like mm-hmm. that it's all it's all a move in a chess game. And, and a guy valid? at that level. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, at some point you have to kind of go, wow, respect. Okay. Because for, for, for those 5 million people, you were giving them exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. To, to me, it feels sometimes that, that sort of way of going about it where, you know, uh, for example, I am at least, uh, I, I'll speak for myself. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you feel about anything. So I'm not gonna speak for you, but like I, I enjoy doing this show because I enjoy doing the show and yeah. Okay. We make a little money here and there, but like I, I, I enjoy doing the show to have a platform to discuss these things with you. And, but I never thought of this show as a stepping stone, do some other thing, even though I've done other things since we started the show, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whether it's my own work or other projects or, or well, what but this has you. clearly been the best thing that you've done. Of really. course. Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, yeah, let's be honest. Um, you understand what I'm saying, though, right? Like, right, But right. there are people who go into certain projects and say, you know, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to do that for a year because that's going to build an audience so that I can do a vlog, which is going to build an audience so that I can get on CNN, which is going to allow me to blah, 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 blah. I, I never think that way. That feels really 
Machiavellian to me and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it irks me the wrong way because it makes me feel like you're not you're not living in the moment that you're experiencing now. You're constantly thinking how this moment is going to feed into the next one. And I feel like ultimately that is. Well, I, th- I think you can uh, do both of those things. I think you can do both of those things. I think you can have an eye on where something can go. I think you can say, you know, I, I can be true to this, but I can also look at it as I, I can be true to the show and also say, you know what, here are, you know, tens of thousands of people who I can also mention a book that a portion of them are going to buy it, you know, yes, in the absolutely. same way that, that, you know, you can say, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing. But wouldn't it, it feel weird if you were building up the audience just because you knew you wanted to start selling books later? Sure, see, that, sure, that, and, see, and that's frankly, to me. I, I'm not, I'm not entrepreneurial enough to think through it that way. If right. I were, then I probably would have a much bigger footprint than I do. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but in my head, but at what cost? You know, yeah. like it just it feels there's something about it that always just feels it feels manipulative to me, mm-hmm. and I don't like the idea that I'm being manipulative towards people who are coming to me. And listening to me or looking at my work because they think I'm being, I think you and I uh, not sell ourselves, but, but, but trade on the fact that we are as open and honest as we can be without sharing our home addresses, you know? Um, wait, up. And it, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. You should take that off of your, uh, your Twitter tag. Um, you see what I'm saying though? That, that, yeah. that I think there's, there's, I think that, 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 speaks to authenticity and you know, the, the a word as it were, whatever that means. Um, I think people being authentic, I think authentic people don't honestly don't always know (laughs) where they're going, you know, uh, there's, I don't know, because I think in life you really don't know where you're going, whether you think you do or not. What is the old, uh, the John Lennon quote, uh, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Sure. Anyway, uh, what else we got? Hmm. Got a lot of Heavy. stuff here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, this is good. And the, I moved a couple things around. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's um, go into some lighter stuff. Can, can you, we, can we give some congratulations to, uh, to, uh, a friend of the show, Joni Sternbach for taking yeah, second who, place in, uh, in the Taylor Wessing prize. Yeah, and you know, looking at the one, the first, second, and third prize, prize, I, I personally would have put her first prize, but that's just my personal view. Um, yeah, the, the the first prize, not speaking to me this year. It reminds me in in tone and and technique to uh, the guy that did the jockey pictures a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I think the jockey pictures are far better than this. I'm not. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying oh, okay. it, it's. It, it. I feel like we've seen this before. Yeah. Um, I also. I. I also have a, a. I used to when I was a kid. School uniforms used to be. This is my own personal thing, but school uniforms. We didn't wear uniforms, and mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I used to think, "How terrible! Like kids should be able to wear what they want, etc., etc., etc." And then as I got older, and you start talking about the reasons why they have school uniforms isn't always about uniformity and, and, and people coalescing to the hive mind, but rather to make kids equal so that one kid doesn't have fancier clothes than the other. 
mm-hmm. you know, so they don't feel less than because they don't have a Gucci backpack or whatever. Right. And that side of it, actually, I, I, that argument lands with me, you know, as a, okay, that actually makes sense of why you would want kids wearing the same thing. Um, so it's funny that the, the part of this, uh, apparently this is part of a, uh, uh, a series about kids in uniforms rebelling against uniforms and all the rest of it. And I, I just have a personal thing where I'm like, eh, I don't know that school uniforms are really that bad of a thing, but anyway, what do I know? Uh, but yeah, Joni kicks, kicks some serious butt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice shot. I, I, I like her I wonder stuff. how she sent that one over. I wonder what form she put it in. If she did it as an eight by 10 contact print or did a big print of it or what? Or sent the actual plate. Or sent the actual plate. Yeah, but the plates are negatives. Aren't they? Uh, yeah, judges... Okay. Yeah, it doesn't say. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to the to the winners of the Taylor Wessing Prize this year. I love the... Uh, uh, the, the judges congratulations noted, to all these people. Yeah, the judges noted Sternbach's technical mastery of a challenging and archaic photographic process to produce archaic. this compelling portrait. But it is, right? I mean, by well, comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It, it totally is. But it's just funny, the the archaic. Yeah. <laughs> and if you ever get a chance to talk to Joni Sternbach about her work, she she is so fun to talk to about it. She yeah. absolutely loves what she does. She absolutely loves the people around it. And uh, she's she's super fun to talk to about it. So Sweet woman. Yep. Um, yeah. So congratulations to Claudio Rossano. Yep. Uh, Joni Sternbach and Kavi Kanowiecki. Weckle? Wecky. Is that an I or an L at the end Kanawiki? of the... Kanowiecki? I wonder if it would anyway. be... Hmm. Yeah. Help us, uh, listeners, how you would pronounce that. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to everyone everyone involved. Um, so Google put out this cool little app. Have you played with this app at all? I have not. Okay. They put out an app called PhotoScan. Uh, I do believe it's for, is it just for iPhone? No, I think it's for both, both platforms. Uh, Put a link in the show notes. Uh, It is designed to help you take digitized snapshots. What does that mean? So you have a box full of, you know, you have your shoe box full of pictures. You don't own a scanner. Oh, you, okay. You, you want to okay. digitize it, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so you, you put the picture down on, down on a, a, a desk, right? Or a table. And sorry about you, the noise outside. If you can hear that. Uh, I can't hear. It's all right. It's very windy here too. So you might be able to hear that too. Uh, you, you put a picture down on the desk, you take a picture of it with this app and you don't worry about glare. Okay. Because what it does is it actually turns on the flashlight of, you know, the, the flash of the camera, which you would think, okay, that's going to make it look terrible. There's going to be a big white patch in the middle, right? Right, right. But, but what they do is you take one picture and then it puts these four dots in the corners of, of the image and you just move the camera so that the a dot is inside the circle for each of the four. So you go, you know, lower left, upper left, upper right, lower right, like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's taking pictures every time it hits one of those dots and it merges all four of them and the original together and gets rid of the stuff that has glare in it and gives you a higher res image with no glare. Hmm. And it actually works pretty darn good. I, I, I did a little test with two two pictures and I was very pleasantly surprised. So does it do a good job on on color correction of of aged uh, photographs? Uh, it doesn't do automatic color correction. It gives you what it looked like, you know, underneath your camera. 
but there you could then affect it with uh, essentially you know, uh, 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 filters, you know? Um, so it doesn't do color correction, but it allows you to get a nice, decent file. The problem is that a lot of prints, especially older prints, stuff you thought looked good when you were a kid. If you were a photo enthusiast and you go look at it now, even if the image itself was in focus, which it probably wasn't, even if it was through a good camera, which it probably wasn't print, a four by six print does not have a lot of information in it way right. less than you would ever imagine it does. So the picture of you and your dad standing in front of the Eiffel Tower when you were 12 probably doesn't look as good as you think it does, but this will get as much of it uh, as it can out of it. Uh, so I give it a I give it a big thumbs up in my experience. So write in if you have tried it or whatever. But this is now my new uh, go-to app on my phone for when we go to my wife's house and we pull out pictures of her as a little kid that I want to keep, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really cool way of doing it and I applaud Google for doing it. I also, I think it automatically uploads them to, you know, your Google photos account. If you have one of those, uh, can, can uh you, you can turn that off. Uh, I'm sure you can. Uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. You have a Google account. Might as well put them somewhere. Um, I, I will, I will give it a whirl. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty neat idea. And you know, honestly, something that I wish had been around for a while because it's a, a really neat trick, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and luckily now there is the thing to use to do it, you know? Anyway, photo scan. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. Photo scan. Photo scan. Hey, um, uh, I was reading an article about Elton John's photo collection. What, you know anything about this? I know he's got a huge photo collection. Um, is, isn't it on... Where is it? Is it at the Tate? Did I read something? Or is yeah, part of it at the Tate? It's at the Tate Modern. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, yeah. And uh, so if you're in London right now and want to go to the Tate Modern, uh, go into the, what is it, the Turbine Hall or whatever it's called. Um, and go check out, I think they put up 150 photographs from Sir Elton John's collection. Apparently he owns hundreds and hundreds of photographs from 1920 to 1960. He's sort wow. of a modernist collector. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently he's got a hell of a collection. Um, I have heard that. So I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm psyched. You know, this is one of those things where I don't think that he went out to start a major collection. I think he just bought a few pictures that he liked Mm -hmm. and he bought one more and another one and another one. And he ended up with this thing. It, it, you know, I don't think he was thinking back in 1982 or whatever yeah. when he started I'm, collecting. I'm going like, to establish a collection of photography. Exactly. I right, think it, right. it's, a, it's a lot like uh, Phil Collins with his uh, Alamo stuff, right? Right. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I'm just going to start buying Alamo stuff. Wait, I have most Alamo stuff of anyone in the world right now? <laughs> That's crazy. How did that happen? <laughs> the answer is Genesis money. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Well, and Very Light money. Oh, really? Yeah. That, the company Very Light. Remember those? Yeah. The, uh, for those of you who don't know, very lights were a, a type. They were the first concert lights that could change color on the fly. He made, he used to be. He was um, uh, in yeah. That they were company? they were uh, they were the backer of that. And you had the thing that was genius about it was you couldn't buy very lights. You had to rent them, and you had to rent them with the operator. Uh, and for a long time, very lights were were the the lights. And yeah, they made a killing on that. Man, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> right. <laughs> I sh- I should start making uh, remotely controllable stage lights. That's right. that's where my money's going to go. Hey, a question uh, for next time. Yeah. 
Why don't drones have better stills cameras? I know that drones have terrific video cameras, Deep. but if you want to use them for, for, for just making stills, yeah. what's the most you're going to get? 12 megapixel? Probably, yeah. Or, or whatever a 4K camera works out to be. Yeah, it's about yeah. 12, right? So um, just a, I, I didn't understand. I mean, because there are some fantastic opportunities. There are people opportunities. who put big cameras on drones, though, don't they? But not these little, like the DJI ones. Don't you have to have a, a larger, like those the eight motor drones to, to account yeah, I for guess the weight? You, I guess you would need something, yeah, that can carry. How much do these cameras weigh? Like how much is, I have my camera in my hand right now. I'm like, I don't even know exactly how much this weighs. Five pounds, 10 pounds, maybe eight pounds, you know? Yeah. So you need a pretty big drone to carry that. Plus you still need the built-in regular cameras to see where the hell you're going and see, right. how, see where to point it. Right. I love there, the idea of drone photography. I think they're, I mean, I, hold I up, can't. Though. Wasn't there a guy who put a, the 100 megapixel phase on a drone? I don't know, but that might be a custom one-off thing. I'm talking about just commercially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I remember, uh, yeah, here we go. I, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, this guy. Um, I would love to get one, but I, I couldn't fly one even if I wanted to. Are you good at that? You, you think you would be good at that? I think I'd be pretty good at it. It just, what is it? You can't be within 30 miles of the Capitol and fly a drone. Yeah, or 20, t- t- 27, 30, something like that. T- Tim Kempel attached it to an RC helicopter. Yeah, well, that's different, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's actually, it's essentially a big drone that he put it on. But yeah, he put it on a little gimbal in the whole thing. God, that must have been scary because I think he he borrowed it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to take this one I borrowed from Digital Transitions and stick yeah. it on a drone over a waterfall. Hey, Bill, can I borrow your Pentax over the weekend? Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, did you see the, who's the, is it the digital rev guy, the Kai or whatever his name is? Oh, Kai Wong, yeah. Did you ever see the video he did a while back where he got a 100 megapixel back on an Alpo m- mount with a large format lens in the front? You know what I mean? Basically, like, you know, the wide angle sort of Alpo, Alpo cameras that have the uh, 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 old school shutter oh, lenses right. on the front? Right, 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 right. They're, they're like wooden handled, like all right. beautiful. Right. He, he got one of those. It was like $67,000 worth of camera. And he took it and out. He put he's it like, on oh. a drone? No, no, no. He's, he brought it out on a tripod, but he's just like, look, I know how to use cameras like this. I've used big cameras. You know, you get the focus right, and then you close the shutter, and you cock the shutter, and you, you know, he's, it's like using a, a large format camera when you're shooting with it. He's like, but you have no idea how many errors I would get. It's just like the back wouldn't talk to the lens. It wouldn't cock at the right time. He's like, and this is $70,000 worth of camera. That, that like isn't working the way it should. He's just like, this is really frustrating. I'll, I'll, I'll find a thing. It's actually a fun, it's a fun thing to watch. Cause you can just see his face. He's just like, what are you kidding me? Yeah. Imagine if you what spent $70,000 on no. something and it doesn't no. work. No. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find a link. Cause it's actually, uh, it's actually kind of funny. Yeah. 100 megapixel phase one alpha hands-on reviews digital red tv it was uh from from may i'll put a link in the show notes all right hey do do we have time to do a couple crit walls yeah i think so all right let's do it uh we got we got a couple good ones uh (laughs) first first up is uh, what's his name seth wade yeah so we we're talking about the uh the the woman in the trees one right uh, yeah, well, she's, yeah, she's in between the trees. Yep. Uh, 
redhead kind of uh almost a little maroonish maroonish red yep uh tattoo right forearm what do you think of this this uh looks like i'm trying to i'm I'm looking at the way things are in and out of focus around the frame uh-huh. it almost looks like it was it shot with a uh uh what are the things that uh what's his name loves uh uh, like a Petzval or a lens baby or something? Yeah, maybe a lens baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you see what I'm saying? How it's, yeah. it's sort of like out of focus around the edges. Yeah, Petzval maybe. Because uh, the bokeh is, is is really interesting. It's short depth of field. Uh, you know, you have this woman there. I, I don't, I don't know, like the branch that's coming, the, the smaller branch that's over her head and right across her torso. In the the most foreground element. Yeah, no, I, I got you. It's funny though that if if I if you take that out, it almost becomes less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I also I also don't like it. It looks like that one has a lot of nettles on it or uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thorns. Uh, maybe they like the thorn thing. Um, I feel like if you're going to do this, maybe light light from below a little bit more, like a reflector or something like that to fill in, because mm-hmm. it does feel like. You're sort of getting that. Uh, I would love to see her eyes. Like if her eyes were up a little more, mm-hmm. you know, because she obviously seems like she has some serious eyes. Look at that nose ring. You ever have a nose ring? Oh yeah, several. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it it working outside with nat- what seems like natural light is always mm-hmm. an interesting thing to do because, especially in a, uh, a forest situation. It's going to be this weird, it's almost like you have a big giant soft box from above. Right, right. Which is great, but you do end up with sort of uh, eyes that get a little dark and, and, and right. stormy. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's strange. The exposure is strange because you do have these really strong highlights on the top of her, uh, our left, her right bicep there. And then yeah. you've got this lot of bright areas on her left arm, particularly the shoulder. Yeah, and tip um, of her nose. Yeah, tip of her nose. I think you could have, you could have, uh, as Bill said, maybe popped a reflector in, and maybe even a flag on camera right to to bring down some of some of that hot spot on her yeah. on her on her left side. I mean, if 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 somebody were doing this for Vanity Fair, they'd probably have a big softbox behind a big diffuser right behind the camera position mm. to sort of do a low fill and bring up. Bring up the shadows a half a stop or so. If if not know, a whole scrim out. off like camera right too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Although you, you got to be careful because you also don't want something like this to look lit. This mm-hmm. is one of those ex- situations where you want something to look like it hasn't been lit even when it has, uh, which is always a difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. Got anything else? Mm. What do you think of her pose? You know, I'm looking at it. Um her hand, something about her hand. The the hand, I almost, let's see, um, hold on, what am I doing here? So that's her, yeah, that's her pinky. I, I would almost like to see her fingers kind of around the front of that. You know what I mean? Like switch the position of her hand from back yeah, to Yeah, kind of coming around the front, like grabbing it like she's pulling as opposed to almost like just putting her hand on right, it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it almost feels... She's, the more I look at it, the more the hand and the arm, which I know are not, almost look photoshopped in. You know, mm-hmm. like the, yeah, the right that. side of that picture. Uh, I, I, I would like it to feel more like she's moving through the trees rather than just sort of propped against, against the them, if that makes sense. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It also might be interesting to go pull further back, you know, to make it mm-hmm. make this a wider shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's it's more of a sense this, of isolation too. Yeah, there's like 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 her in a larger a larger wooded area, you know, mm-hmm. as an element mm-hmm. of something to try. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, I will put a link in show notes for that one. And the other one uh, we're going to take a look at is Johan Troya, which is a lovely uh, uh, landscape. You know, when I was a kid, we we would spend summers in Arizona. And there were times when, when the light hit the canyon walls or hit the mountains or hit the rocks in such a way that they looked like flats. They looked like you could just bing, just tap them with your finger and they would fall straight over. I mean, it was just, it was that, I don't know how to describe it. It was just amazing. And I, I get that from, from this enormous background, this beautiful. It it looks like a matte painting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just wonderful. And I love, uh, Johan, I love the point of view here. I love the, the, the foreground element kind of coming out of the water. Yeah, that's um, necessary. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do it's one of that. the flaws of a lot of landscape photos. And maybe next week we can talk, go back into what makes a good photo yeah. landscape photography edition. Uh, good idea. Good idea. Uh, but uh, I think that this this foreground element really makes it. Because if mm-hmm. it wasn't there, then it's just a big mountain and a reflection. And that's right. Right. You know, yeah, the foreground element works. as well as the, the, the bits of color you've got this really verdant green and you've got these bright yellow flowers. I think that really adds a lot too. What do you think about the long exposure smearing the clouds? It's a six second exposure. You know, I, I, I get it. Um, it must've not been very bright cause he's at F five, six at six seconds. So this must've mm-hmm. been really pretty dark. Uh, what's, wait, what's ISO on this? 100. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I may have gone, I may uh, have second chosen, and a half at ISO 400. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does this weird, this weird thing to the reflection then too, because you've got these, these sort of inevitable, the water moves. rippling of, of the water. Yeah. Um, although I don't mind the reflection being a little smeary personally, the clouds mm-hmm. are more distracting to me than the reflection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also interesting Maybe the uh, part of the fact that he is obviously focused on this foreground. What is that? A dock that's falling in? Looks like it. Maybe a dock or, like or some sort of outbuilding or something. The yeah, remnants yeah. of an outbuilding. Uh, he seems to be focused there, and then he lets the uh, the the backdrop go slightly out of focus, like the 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 mountain, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing to do, and I think probably uh, uh, helps with your uh, map painting theory. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, yeah, because like, if that oh, it's tack a little sharp. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh I mean it's a lovely photo. Um uh I would have, you know, if it actually is as dark as it kind of feels like it is, I don't know that this scene looked like this when he was there and did he bring it up to make it look like it was 25 or a half an hour later than it actually was. Mm-hmm. In which case, I would love to see the version that is sits darker. You know, to see if that only neat. thing I have with that is if it if the whole thing goes darker, then you've you've got a little bit of lost and found detail in those trees on the left hand yep. side. Yep. And yep. It, but if you that could, goes you a half br- stop or whatever darker, that just goes know. black. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, bring that up. But I I, I don't know. Is there something about? Uh, it would be interesting to me to see if if 
the time, the sort of late, late golden hour or early, early golden hour, depending on when you shot it, mm-hmm. um, is, is incredibly difficult to do well. That sort of moment where there's light to see, but not quite enough light to make a photograph. Uh, and it's, 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 everything is in the lowest third of the tonal range, mm-hmm. you know? Um, still, there's not a lot of blue here. You've still got some warmth here. So there oh, was yeah, some light, fact, you know, there was in light In fact, there. there's a lot of warmth because look at, look at the, uh, the, uh, yeah, but I mean, look at the sky is pretty blue. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to know what time of the day this was shot at because it's pretty severe shadows in the mountains. Mm-hmm. I think the exposure is very good, as good as you're going to get on a camera like that. I mean, you could have done it a half a stop lower. See in the upper left where the, of, of the mountains, the snow blows out a little bit. Yep, but yep. at the very top there, that yeah. peak. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that's one big giant reflector. I don't know that you could do anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but other than that, the I mean, technically, it's a beautiful photograph. I give it a huge thumbs up. Yep, um, real nice. Yeah, it's nice. Good. See, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I love those. No, kidding? it's really good. Uh, All right, what else so, we got? Uh, do we go to the we go to the group? Right, we go back to the okay. rest of the group. We go to the yeah. Let's go back to the videotape. Uh, let's see. So last week, congestion. Yep. Uh, Robert, I, I I love the congestion with with uh, this this flock of of are they goats. Is that what they are? Yeah. Though that's a what beautiful picture. Yeah. Uh, look like, again. Look, look at the crazy horns on them, though. What right. The, the little the little protectors, so you don't get gored. Is that what those are? Yeah, little green things. Oh, yeah, things. yeah, look at that. That's cool. Yeah, I actually really like that. I like the green against the red of the sweater. That's a nice shot. That is a great shot. It's a great, great shot. Uh, let's see. Where's the other one that I, I just lost my... Uh... <laughs> Wait, congestion caused by the broken down car whose driver chose not to push out of the number one lane and instead caused a huge snarl. <laughs> Whoops. Snarl, what a great word. <laughs> yeah. Shot on uh, Fuji Acros 100, Canon EOS 1V, and a 50mm 1.2. It's a nice shot. I like Fielding's uh, black and white shot with the people in front of her. And uh, Mike and Matthew Zhu both uh, seem to like uh, traffic on the highway. Although, two very different views of right. similar congestion. Yeah. Matthew's down really in interesting. it. Uh, yeah, Todd, Matthew's down I, in I like, it and letting it be solid, like where where Mike decided to do it as streams. You know, yeah. Go ahead. I like uh, uh, Todd Schick. Todd Schick's uh, shot of the the old dairy wagon. Yeah, it's a nice van. Mm-hmm. Van down by the river. That's right. Uh, uh, let's see. Congestion isn't have? so bad when the evening sky is putting on a show, says Ken Larman. That's nice. Uh, Johan. Oh man. With the bridge, yeah. Uh, that's uh, Florence, ah, Firenze. I see, yeah, I like that's Florence. really nice. I know that bridge, I know where he took that picture because I have a similar yeah. picture with my uh, and my then the, the square he posted another one, the square of the Uffizi right there. Isn't that the Uffizi? Yeah, it is. Uh, yep, yeah. yep, inside I slept the there. <laughs> you slept in the square by the Uffizi, yes. Did the uh, uh, Polizia, no, no, you didn't bug me, nope. <laughs> hammered couldn't find a way back to the uh, hotel you're, you're, you're misspent youth yes 
<laughs> this looks like a good spot. Thud. This is this is a really great stair. I, you I guys have really stair. good stairs over here. You guys, this is like amazing. You know, uh, how many, you know how many famous painters slept on these stairs? Right, <laughs> right. Uh, we need an assignment for today. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come up with something. Assignment. Oh, great. I now know. what are we gonna do? Assignment. Uh, let's see. Provocative. Let's see. Provocative. Provocateur. Provocative. Provo- Provocateur hmm. is you or your subject. Hmm. Provocative. You don't like it? I like that. What do you think? Have we done it? I don't think so. Uh, Let's do it. Okay. Talk, talk, talk about, let me make sure we haven't done it. Talk about uh, uh, <laughs> our photographer of the week. Our photographer of the week while I look it up on, <clears throat> on uh, Christopher Matheson's uh, uh, official, official thing. thing. Uh, uh, hey, uh, the, yep. the, the, do we want to keep the thing pinned about the camping meetup or can we come back to that? Uh, I guess we can come back to that. All right. Uh, if you are interested, Ricketts Glen State Park, uh, March 31st to April 2nd, <clears throat> 20 waterfalls. Looks like it'd be fun. You going to go to this? Are you going to make this? Uh, I, I do not. Uh, I'm hoping to, it's going to okay. be very cold. Yeah. We're getting a cabin though. Come on now. Okay. As long as it's got a, as long as we got to keep it warm. Oh, we'll keep it warm. Uh, it's not that kind of trip. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> half of the people are just like, oh, God, I'm not going now. The other right. half are like, yeah, yeah sounds kind of fun. Ticket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Southwest.com. Um, uh, all right. What do you got? Ruth Gruber is our photographer of the week. Ruth uh, Gruber. Now, she, she, you said she died, what, Wednesday uh, or this Thursday? This last week, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ruth died at the age of 105 years old. Bless her heart. Can yeah. you imagine that? 105 years old. Exactly. Right. Wow. Uh, is and, and now Ruth Gruber is an example of a number of things. First of all, you have a woman photojournalist in the 30s and 40s, which is its own sort. Which of, was a rarity. Sure. Yeah. Kick yeah. some ass, lady. You know. Yeah. Like, good for you. Uh, and uh, she was also. Uh, uh, had her got her got her PhD was the youngest female PhD ever at the time or something like that. Wow. She finished her PhD at age twenty. Uh, she was super super badass woman who didn't take no for yeah. an answer and traveled the world and you know visited uh, uh, the Soviet Arctic and 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 traveled to Palestine and and famously she chronicled. Uh, the struggle of 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 Jews after the Holocaust, you know, during and after the war, uh, and and going up to the building of the Jewish state in Israel. Uh, famously, she was on this boat called Exodus, uh, which the British stopped from going to uh, Palestine, which they ran at the time because they were legally trying to do it. But of course, they were all just trying to get out of Europe to build new lives, and we're not going to get into the politics of that. But it is an interesting story. Um, there Doctor, is a doctorate in a year, Bill. Yeah, she yeah, earned her master's degree in German at nineteen yep. and a doctorate in German literature at twenty. Yep. Wow. Super super bright lady, um, and and she lived until just a few years ago. And and the interesting thing about it, uh, she she carried a camera to a lot of these places up in Alaska and in the Soviet Arctic, and then especially when she was. 
uh, chronicling the movement of these Jews after the war. Uh, what 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 kind of gets me? And this is Wait, this did, is you said what? she lived until just a few years ago, didn't she? Just die like last week? Yeah, she died last week. Yeah, according okay. to yeah yeah. You said she, no, she lived until just a few years ago. Oh, sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, uh, but 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 I guess she was active until just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, where okay. she was actually speaking and giving interviews and stuff. There was a there was a movie. It turns out made about her life, um, uh, which uh, which is called here. I, let me see if I can get this right because I just got it over here. Uh, uh, Isn't it which ahead is of time? called ahead of time? Yeah. 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 And uh, we, I contacted the producer of the film, and she sent me uh, uh, a view, uh, allowed me to view it, and it was it's pretty amazing hearing hearing her talk, yeah. and it's super cool. We'll put a link in the show notes to both uh, JewishFilm.org and to uh, the or the page if you want to order a DVD, you can watch it. But if you're all interested in this woman's history, go watch it because it's really great. But here's here's the thing that gets me, Jeffrey, is that I feel like sometimes. We look at people who are taking pictures their whole lives in order to be photographers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think that we uh, ignore, absentmindedly ignore the people who are not photographers all the time, but were the people who took photographs that were very historical, right? Sure, that, the sure. people who were there at the time who took the Just pictures. Just documenting the world around them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or or were there for this one event that was was majorly influential in world history, and she was the one on the boat. And the interesting thing about it was, you know, all the people that they interviewed who were on this boat with her as they were trying to get into get into what will become Israel later, mm-hmm. um, is is that they said, you know, she was one of us. You know, we we she saw it as an element that, that, that she was an element of this movement. And mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing. Cause so many photojournalists we listen to today, I, you know, we see the kid dying on the side of the road and I have to maintain discipline to not get involved in the story and all this kind of stuff. Sure. And, and there is an argument for maintaining objectivity when, when covering an event, but there's also the idea that just because you're not objective doesn't mean your viewpoint isn't both valid and powerful. Uh, arguably, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Arguably more so because you are involved. Now sure. you have to take some stuff with a grain of salt and look at both sides maybe of, of, a, of a contentious issue. But, but I, but I think that it's interesting that, that, that there, she gained even more value by sort of uh, uh, endearing herself to the people that she was covering on this trip. And some of the photos are are really beautiful. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to all this stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I, you know, I, I think there 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 is definitely a different sort of scope that you get from being not necessarily embedded as a photojournalist would be, but 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 living and spending time with by choice by by. Uh, by design of the people that you're photogra- photographing. Like uh, what's the, well, there's a girl that I follow that she's been going kind of up and down the Appalachian area of, of America. Uh, Stacy Kranitz. Okay. Or, you know, Matt Black on his, on sure. his journey crisscrossing America to document poverty. Th- this is, this is more than just a photo assignment. It's, it's, part of their lives it's a period in their lives and i think you sure. could make the, the 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 comparison and and the uh uh the equivalence of of uh miss gruber 
kind of becoming a part of these groups of people and, and, and not just an outsider trying to get a photograph. Yeah. And, you know, she made another point in the, in the film, and I think it's actually even in the trailer, if you watch that, uh, where there was one point where she was in Alaska and she was waiting for a plane to pick her up and take her somewhere else in Alaska. And uh, the plane didn't show up, didn't show up for days because of weather and all these kind of concerns and whatever. And she was becoming really antsy about it because she was like, oh, my God, I got to move. I got to go. You know, I booked this flight. We got to go. And in the time that she was sitting there waiting for the plane for a couple of weeks, she ended up taking a bunch of photographs of the people around her, you know, the locals and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and, and came to realize that that impatience is 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 not always uh, I guess th- there's a dichotomy between impatience and uh, uh, um, achievement, maybe. You know what I mean? In some in ways, right? Like this this idea that I've, I've got to finish this thing. I'm not going to sit and procrastinate. But that's different than patience and waiting to that. That if if you're patient, you will notice things that are right around you that you maybe didn't give the mental time to notice. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And she she learned a lesson by kind of being stuck where she was for a couple weeks unable to change anything about it, which I thought was actually a really interesting lesson to be learned. It's fascinating hearing her talk about all this stuff because she's like this old quirky little Jewish lady, you know, like it's, it's well, cute. There's a, a in, in the, the, the times article, there's a particular paragraph here. Ms. Gruber called herself a witness and in an era of barbarities and war that left countless Jews displaced and stateless, she often crossed the line from journalist to human rights activist reporting as well as shaping events that became the headlines and historical footnotes of the 20th century. So, I mean, to your point, she was very much in it, yeah, very much a part of it, not outside of it, documenting it. And they trusted her because of that. And therefore she may have gotten pictures that she normally would not have gotten. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a, yeah, it's interesting. I just, I, I like the idea of these, these people, especially uh, these women, I think who maybe have gotten short shrift, over in history who were, who were there as, 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 I don't know. Witness is the word, but I would have, it's more of a participant in history, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who who maybe are forgotten in, in, in things that happen that, that aren't really talked about a lot now, you know, it also, I mean, not for nothing, but the whole idea of massive amounts of refugees, not knowing where they're going to go. I mean, talk about history coming around, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, that photograph just, with the flag is the, the the Nazi flag superimposed on the Union Jack. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, some political stuff right there. Yeah, uh, it is. I I went and did a lot of reading about the Exodus trip itself, mm-hmm. and there's a lot there's a lot to that story. I, I would um, not be surprised in the least if there's not another film just on that trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a very complex affair. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, at a very in a very complex time, but uh, so Ruth Gruber is our photographer of the week. Go check out her work; it's it's really beautiful. And she was there, you know, uh, as as history was happening. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at the picture, the ICP uh, link, Jeffrey. Yep. Uh, there's like uh, I like some of these the the color picture of the uh, Inuit or Eskimo girl reading Life magazine. Yeah, reading Life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, these some uh, beautiful photographs though. Yeah, really terrific. So, uh, yeah, good yeah, find. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, podcast at ontakingpictures.com, 347-687-9411 if you want to leave us a voicemail. And, of course, Jeffrey and I are both on uh, Instagram and Twitter and whatnot as uh, at Bill Wadman at Jeffrey Sidoris. 
And uh, for those of you in the uh, United States, uh, have a very good Thanksgiving this week. Eat some turkey. Right. For those of you outside of the country, go buy a turkey. Or, you know, eat ham or eat a veggie roll or... You know, my favorite part about the... Okay. Here's here's the big question, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. Fresh, fancy cranberry sauce or canned jelly? Oh God, no! From the can, man. Right, right. You cut off a slice and go to town. Yeah. Oh my God, that stuff is so good. (laughs) I love it. Am I wrong? (laughs) No. Am I? Are we so wrong that we're right? (laughs) And you you make a you make a turkey sandwich and you include a slice of cranberry sauce on it. Come on now. Yeah. You you just, Jeffrey. You you cut off both of them. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that? Into the. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> what am I? Fancy? Nah. It makes makes me happy that stuff. It's just it's pure sugar. You know, but but it doesn't matter. It's wonderful. It's one day a week. I mean, a year. One day a week. What, wait, what did I say? <laughs> Cut to Jeffrey Tuesday afternoons <laughs> cutting off slices. <laughs> I think I might go open a can right now. I think there's some in our fridge. There you go. In our in our uh, in our pantry. That a boy. Um, you got anything else? Uh, nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, you know, well, I hope, I hope, I hope it wasn't uh, too much. Um, you know, if it was, uh, respectfully, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, it, this is all a conversation and, and I think one of the things that we love both of us about this group is the ability to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I I value that I I I think it's one of the kind of amazing things that in in um, a time of so much noise that that we can have varying opinions in the group on the show and and it never sort of devolves into uh, this sort of you know verbal detritus that that, that kind of just breaks down. So agreed. Agreed. Anyway, have a great week. Be good to each other. All right. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Say what you want to say I know what you will say